You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. This morning I have uh, the privilege of introducing our guest who's going to be bringing the word this morning. We have Pastor Zach and his wife Shannon, Pastor Zach Burris with us. Zach grew up here in North Carolina, he's a native of North Carolina, went to Lee University, graduated from Lee, and had his first ministry assignment in Wisconsin. I, I don't know how you get from North Carolina to Wisconsin, uh, but he made it to cold Wisconsin, uh, served on staff at a church there, and then in 2009, um, they planted the Mill Church. I had the opportunity to be there a couple times. They're leading a wonderful work, uh, a vibrant church in, in Wisconsin, and I thought it would be great for us to have Zach to be able to come and minister the word here this morning. I've known Zach Wow, for a lot of you, I was thinking back, probably 25 years I had the privilege of knowing Zach, um, and we have just a great friendship, a great relationship, so I wanted to invite him to come and bring the word for us this morning. So would you give a warm Grace Covenant welcome to my friend, Pastor Zach Burris. Well, we're glad to be with you from Wisconsin. Any Green Bay Packer fans in the room? Hey, a few. Yeah, we have one. All right. Yeah. So I thought being from Wisconsin, we ought to bring Pastor Farrell a care package because he's a buddy of mine. Would you like to see what Pastor Farrell received in his care package this morning? Okay. Well, first we have an authentic Aaron Rodgers jersey. This is for when you feel like associating with a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You can do that. Would you try that on for me, please? I feel like a traitor. No, seriously, I carried that through three airports. Please try that on for everybody. Thank you. Should be your size. I worked with Kathleen on this. What do you think? Huh? All right. You wouldn't be a true Packer fan without a pair of bibs. Wow. For when the frozen tundra gets cold. So if you'll hold these up to your chest, you don't have to put them on. Looks lovely. You'd have to be really brave to wear these. And then, of course, if you've ever watched a game on TV or been to Lambeau, you know that this would not be complete. Without a cheese head. How many of you have always wanted to see your beloved pastor wearing a cheese head? Now you got to come over here and my bride is going to take a picture of us. Because my congregation is going to love this. Awesome. Thank you, bud. Lots of love in this, huh? Yes, there is. And he only has to do that for two more services. He forgot his bag. I'll give this to Angela. Thanks. Well, again, uh, I grew up in North Carolina, Concord. Went to Mount Pleasant High School. Wrestled in the North Mech Invitational a number of times. And my wife, Shannon, who's a Wisconsinite, And I and our little kids love coming back to this part of the country to visit my folks 
who now reside in the China Grove area. I love drinking Sundrop. Are there any fellow Sundrop fans? My sister over here someplace. Praise God. My mama taught us growing up that when we were sick, she'd give us Sundrop. She thought it was a clear liquid. No joke. That's what she thought. So we drank a lot of Sundrop. Any Duke fans in the house? Oh, I'm sorry. You in the back must have thought I was referring to the Blue Devils. I was actually referring to the Mayonnaise. Any North Carolina Tar Heel fans in the house? Yes! People of God. All right. Here's a quick picture of my family. All right. So this is my wife, Shannon, who's here with me this morning. She brings the beauty and the wisdom to our family. The one hugging my leg is Levi, our oldest. He brings the brains. Miles, who's holding her leg, our second born, he brings the brawn. Eleanor, who I'm holding, she brings the drama. And Caroline brings the sweetness. She's our baby. So they'll be terrorizing your volunteers at the 11 o'clock service. I'll be reading from the ESV this morning, no matter what translation you're familiar with. If you would stand with me kindly, let's read the Word of God together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You may be seated. What an important theme to study, that of running the race. Um, Not just running the race, but how to run the race. Because there's a qualifier there in the book of Hebrews. It says the type of running we ought to be doing is that of persevering. I'll tell you right up front, I'm not going to even attempt to talk about running in an intelligible way because I hate running. That's actually my first point. I hate running. You give me a ball to chase, I will run all day long. In fact, a sport that I have over the years fallen in love with, especially in college, was a sport of racquetball. Any people enjoy racquetball? A few. One of my favorite comedians, Brian Regan, says that racquetball is the only sport where you can simultaneously be looking at the ball and it hits you in the back of the head. It just moves around that fast. But you're constantly chasing a ball. In grad school, I got fairly competitive. I competed with professors during the lunch hour. I loved the sport until I met a man while home, a friend of my dad's, who invited me to go play, and his name was Buck Jwiggins. Buck was in his 60s. 
What 20-something-year-old man wouldn't grow delighted at an opportunity to play racquetball with a man in his 60s? Buck was shorter than me. Buck was rounder than me. Buck was slower than me. And I envisioned myself running in circles around the man. And indeed I did. Because Buck was so incredibly proficient at the sport of racquetball that he would just hunker down in the middle of the room and completely control the game. He was astute in the geometry of that space. He knew every angle. He knew every shot type. His mind would carry him two to three swings ahead of where my mind would carry me. I was in the shape of my life. And I couldn't keep up with Buck. In games to 15, I'd score three, maybe four points. Buck would just sit in the middle, wham to bam bam. And then he'd chuckle. And he'd wham to bam bam. And he'd chuckle again. Still in my sleep, I can hear that man chuckling. The difference between Buck's style and my style was that I played with enthusiasm. Buck played with endurance. I played with a high degree of passion. Buck, he, he played with perseverance. If we're going to serve Jesus well into our 60s, our 70s, our 90s, we need to learn how to do faith like Buck played racquetball. We need to learn how to sit motionless in the center of a room and worship at the feet of Jesus instead of spending all of our time chasing things. How are you doing this morning at abiding in Jesus? Let's just take a quick moral inventory. We're going to Serve him well when you do abide. Look at uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. This is a passage we'll spend most of our time this morning, and this is what we read. Thank God for Dr. Luke. He gives us a detailed account of an interaction between Jesus and a couple of his friends. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her, him rather into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet And listen to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious. You're troubled about many things. And one thing only is necessary. Mary, she's chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. A couple of surface observations first. Jesus had friends, didn't he? Do you have friends in your life? Are you an island? Are you happy with that approach? Or do you want to be like Jesus? Because Jesus had friends. And if you're one of the Nurturing types, I would encourage you to pick some friends at least to edify you and pick you up because your natural proclivity is to pick people to take care of all the time. And that can suck the life right out of you. We need to reach down and up. Jesus had friends that energized him. 
He had friends he loved to be around. They were attentive to him. They even cooked for him. And I'll tell you, friends are quite different than Facebook friends. They're different than Instagram followers. A lot of those people choose you. You choose your what? Your friends are in complete control of who your friends are. You need friendships that refresh you. Another observation is that Jesus, a single male, had some female friends. Now, I never advise premarital couples to be friends with people of the opposite sex and to spend time with them alone. I think that's ill-advised. If someone does that, I think it's dangerous ground. I won't go into that in any great detail, but I'll tell you that Jesus did spend some time with females, and the reason it was not awkward, and I trust that we will get back to a place in our Christian culture where it is not awkward, is because he treated them not like objects, but like sisters. By the way, if I see anything that grates you and rubs you a little bit raw this morning, just send me an email. I would love to talk with you about it. That's feral at gracecovenant.org. F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Another initial observation is that siblings are often quite different. Are they not? How many of you have a sibling that's different than you? I mean, you're just different. We have two boys, our oldest Levi and Miles. Levi was just in a tiff with his little brother Miles on the school bus. They're eight and five. Levi was pummeling him between seats on the floorboard, and the bus driver, for the first time, wrote home a note, send it to our address. Well, the principal went through the principal. Um, What I haven't told you is that I was that bus driver. (laughs) I had just written up another kid the week before, Fair is fair, is it or isn't it? I mean, we can't treat our kids with partiality. So I write Levi up. He gets called to the principal's office. The principal sends a note home to his mother, who's married to me, the bus driver. It's kind of like this big circle of life. Siblings clash. In this story, Martha, she's the the driver, she's the to-do person. She's the only one who comes home from school and who, who rolls up the empty garbage cans and who unpacks her backpack and she does her homework and she starts chopping up celery for dinner. What about Mary? Well, Mary's more contemplative. Mary's more private. Mary gravitates towards silence and fasting. And prayer. Martha's active. Mary's what? She's passive. At all costs, Martha, she's going to do things. Mary, she's not as much about doing as she is about being someone. Martha's always worried about her responsibilities. Mary's over here worried about her relationships. Martha is type what? Type A. Mary, she's type B, so let me ask you this. If Jesus were to knock on your door tonight, who would you be more like upon opening the door and seeing your Savior face to face? Would you say, Jesus, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you. If you'll just come back in a couple hours, I'm going to tidy up. I'm going to sweep. I've got some corners that are disheveled. I need to run to Harris Teeter. 
What are your favorite snacks, Jesus? I'm going to add them to my already compiled grocery list on my app. If you'll just come back, I'd love to spend some time with you, Jesus. But I'm a little embarrassed by my house at present. Or would you just fling open the door and embrace the king and welcome him in and spend every minute with him that he'd stay? That's the difference between Martha and Mary. In the story, there's not much bad to say about Mary. Preachers often take this angle. Mary is superb. Mary is great. Meanwhile, Martha's in the kitchen just preparing portions. It's ironic that that word is, is used when Jesus drops the mic and says, it's Mary that's got the great portion when Martha's been in the kitchen preparing what? Well, portions. He's referring, of course, to himself. In, in other words, whatever your favorite meal is, Jesus is better than that. I mean, we're all aware, right, that Jesus is better than food. I was in Cracker Barrel. I love Cracker Barrel. I'm a simple guy. And I, I had my Bible in grad school in one hand and a piece of cornbread in the other. And I was just delighting in the presence of Jesus. And I became so overwhelmed in the smoking section of the Cracker Barrel. Surrounded by antiques and empty nesters of the presence of God. And I just sat there and wept. I didn't even know it was going to happen. It just, it just hit me, but it happened because I made time, you see. I paused, you see. Might I remind you that Jesus is better than your busyness? It's true. He, not your schedule, is your treasure. He, not your inbox, is your great joy. He, and not the notifications that ding on your phone, is Lord over you. Some of you are controlled by your notifications. They dictate your life. Is Jesus enough for you this morning? I'll tell you, I'm a Martha. I struggle with stillness. I told my wife, I feel hypocritical even bringing this word to these people this morning. She said, Zach, if you only preached what you were great at, honey, you would never preach. (laughs) Thanks, honey. You're such an encouragement. Let's encourage the Marthas in the room just for a few minutes. I don't think we can condemn them and admonish them. And you need to read the Bible and you need to pray and you need to fast. You need to memorize. How do the Marthas interpret that? As tasks. As something else. She just adds quiet time to her to-do list. So our challenge as Marthas, including myself, is to view our time alone with Jesus in sharp distinction from our post-its and our reminders. And I'll take it this far. There are even pluses to being a Martha. Look at verse 38. A woman named who welcomed Jesus into her house. Martha, it wasn't Mary that invited Jesus over. It was Martha. 
She's the one. That's a great thing. And wouldn't you say, Mary's, that there, there are benefits to hanging around with Martha's? I mean, they feed us all the time, right? It's the way this works. But if that's why Martha is good, let's look at why she's bad. Look at verse 42. Martha was distracted with much serving. Is it possible that you and I can become overextended and overcommitted? I mean, we're on volunteer Sunday. (laughs) I didn't know that until I arrived this morning. That even with volunteerism and philanthropy and hospitality and especially ministry, that we reach out and run our wheels to the point that Jesus becomes peripheral. Of course it is. You can reach the point where you have nominated yourself to do too much where you have too many relationships to keep spinning, where you have too much work for a given time period. Second half of verse 40. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? I mean, think about this. Martha had the audacity to ask the creator if he cared. See, here's what happens to Martha's. We become resentful toward the Mary's It looks like we're serving sacrificially, bubbly on the outside, but in the inside, we're loathing the ones that are sitting at the feet of Jesus with little to do, whose lives are marked by simplicity. And we say things like this, nobody ever helps. Nobody chips in. Nobody shares the load. I'm the only one working around here. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. How come you never help? See, as Martha's, we need to be careful not to allow our tendency to take on responsibility to turn into self-righteousness. Another observation. Look at what Martha does next. Jesus, tell Mary to help me. She's tattletaling on her sister, but who's she bossing around? The Son of God. I mean, this isn't good. Surely she's heard about him multiplying loaves and fishes. She could have simply trusted he'd provide dinner later. Instead, she nominates herself to do something that Jesus never asked her to do to begin with. How many of you in the past have become burned out because you've nominated yourself to do something that Jesus never asked you to do? To begin with, a little advice for Martha is before we go first, be honest. We assume Jesus is having this constructive conversation with her in private, aside from what Mary is doing. It's likely our author, Luke, actually interviewed Martha and wrote this down to give it later to us as, as a story. Thankfully, Martha doesn't, it appears, present herself as a saint. She could have. She could have told Luke, who's sitting down in an interview and taking notes, yeah, Jesus came over and Mary didn't do a dang thing. But she doesn't. She's honest. Listen, if you don't know how to say no, be honest about it. Don't masquerade as somebody just chock full of grit and elbow grease and and tough as nails. Just be vulnerable and say, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not the mom that I intend to be. I'm great and creative at times, but honestly, my, my social media profile contains a bit of bias. I'm not the insta-dad or in, invincta-dad that I've claimed I am. I'm overextended. I'm serving with all this external energy on the inside. I'm seething at those who know how to rest in Christ. The second quick thought for, for Martha is don't neglect the Marys in your life because the, the flip side of their personality is they get lonely. And here we are, us Marthas, flying around running errands and I'll be right back, Mary. Just give me another minute. I just got one more thing. Wait a minute, my phone's ringing. Ding, da, da, ding, ding. An email came in. I can't neglect that. Don't neglect the Marys in your life. And what I love about this story, what I love about this story is it reveals the character of Christ because he responds so gently. Do you know Jesus responds gently to your overextension? Look at what he says. He doesn't grow impatient. He doesn't get mad. Instead, he says her name twice, which scholars tell us is a term of endearment, is somebody sincerely and lovingly addressing somebody else with a mention of the name twice. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious. You are troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Let me be clear about this, Martha. One thing only is necessary. Productivity can become idolatry. Jesus said only one thing is necessary, and that's slowing it down and treasuring himself. Clear the stage and set the sound and the lights ablaze. If that's the measure you must take to crush the idols. Jerk the pews and all the decorations too. Until the congregation's fueling how revival. Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you've broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store And know that great is your reward So just be hopeful Cause you can sing all you want to Yes, you can Sing all you want to You can sing all you want to Still get it wrong Oh, worship is more than a song Tell 
take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. I beg him please to open up his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open. Then read the word and put to test the things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. Cause you can sing all you want to. Yes, you can. Sing all you want to. You can sing all you want to and still get it wrong. Oh, worship is more than a song. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. Anything I put before my God is an idol. Anything I want with all my heart is an idol. And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol. And anything that I give all my love is an idol. Cause I can sing all I want to. Yes, I can. Sing all I want to That's the measure you must take to cross the idols. You have a grace covenant, some brilliant artists, vocalists, band members, leaders. We can sing all we want to, can't we? but we can still get it wrong. If you would say in a moment of vulnerability, just like Martha did to Luke, the historian, I'm, I'm taxed, I'm vulnerable, I'm, I'm spinning the wheels too fast, I'm chasing 
the racquetball in ways that I shouldn't be. It's been a while since I've sat at the feet of Jesus. And I need to listen to Jesus' gentle correction this morning and acknowledge acknowledge my shortcomings and make a decision to change, to move the needle, to abide in God. If that's you this morning, would you just stand to your feet? This is nothing to be ashamed of. Jesus loves when his kids, in humility, acknowledge their faults. Praise the Lord. Are there others here? Amen. Wonderful. Anybody else? They're burning tires. I feel like the Lord gave me a word for those that would stand. um, And it's simply this. You're never going to get to the bottom of your list. Ever. And so quit believing the lie that when you get to the bottom of your list, it's going to be a blank page and you're going to get your life back all of a sudden. You're always going to have a list. We have to abide while we do. And before we do, then we can go out and we can work. But the working is is then invigorated by the power of the Holy Spirit because we pause for Jesus So worship like Mary first, then go and work like Martha. Amen? Father, I just pray for those who are standing right now. Lord, that you would bless them. God, we thank you for your patience toward them. You're not overbearing. You're not rude. You're not unkind. You're not angry. You're loving. You're gracious. Lord, you died for us. And so we thank you. We bless you. We love you. You're our joy. You're our treasure. In the great and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Pastor Todd. Would you stand with me this morning? What a good word. I would leave you with these two lines and let these two lines carry forward into your week. Here's the first one. Anything you put before God is an idol. Here's the second one. Jesus is better than busyness. Can we say that together? Would you say that with me? Jesus is better than busyness. I encourage you to carry that forward and allow that statement to begin to shape not only your week, but your life moving forward. I'm going to ask the prayer. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.